right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, we are back here for another episode of In The Huddle, EP 148. We on time, and we never late. That's just what it is. Here on Can You Dig Sports Radio, the request line is one eight three three radio bx to call up the show to get into all the action and the sports takes that we got coming your way. But nevertheless, we have a special guest, and before I introduce my special guest, I want to introduce my co-host, in the co-host shit today, Zach will be running late on the show. But um, Zay, what's going on? How you doing? Hey man, it's a great day. Can't complain. Just happy to wake up another more beautiful morning, another great morning, and uh, just happy to be here with two brilliant minds. So let's talk some sports. Yes, sir. And speaking of special guests, this brother has been on the platform a couple times. I believe about two times. He's been on the platform, and he is a Washington football team insider. And, um, you know, he's going to give y'all his takes on what happened last night, what we saw last night, which I'm still trying to process in my mind. I process things easily, but I'm still having a hard time trying to process what I saw with my own two eyes, not three eyes, not one eye. With my own two eyes last night, Mr. Lake Lewis Jr., what's going on? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Appreciate you having me back on. Yes, sir. And we might as well get right to it. Yesterday... The Washington football team defeated the New York Giants 30-29. to Taylor Heineke played good, looked comfortable in the pocket. I'm going to tell you some highlights of the game, and we'll start off with the questions. So, Taylor Heineke led two first-half scoring drops and had an even more impressive game-winning drive, finding McKissick up the sideline for a 56-yard gain, leading to an excellent 19-yard throw to Ricky Seal Jones, excuse me, tied in a play later. Heineke bounced back after a costly interception that gave the Giants the lead with turning a 50-yard game-winning drive of his own. So, Mr. Late Lewis Jr., I got a question for you. When I look at Taylor Heineke, I see a guy that has nothing to lose. A guy from Old Dominion. I didn't even know they had a football program over there. Number two, known as the quarantine quarterback. That's a hell of a name. I just look at him and he's just out there with nothing to lose. And I think that is why he's, you know, slinging the ball and looking comfortable because, you know, when you have expectations and your team is not that great around you, that's a different type of energy that you're dealing with. But when you're overlooked and you know this could be your last game, you're going to treat it as if it was your last game, right? So looking at Taylor Heineke, knowing from your calculator lens, seeing it from your calculator lens, from the Buccaneers game in the playoffs, obviously doing training camp, being up there front and center, and what we saw last night. Should Taylor Heineke have started from week one, from your observations? And another question, two-part question here, is it possible that if he continues to play good and the Washington football team continues to win, that it's his job to lose? And Ryan Fitzpatrick might be on the bench once again. Um, yeah, I think it's all, all of the above. Um, he should have started from day one. You know, I was saying back in training camp that I, I just felt like, hell, even back in minicamp, I was saying that I think the job should be Taylor Heineke's. And, and there were several reasons for that. The first reason being the last, the last visual you had of Taylor Heineke was him battling Tom Brady. And he did a great job of that. Those players that played in that game with him remember, you know, they remember him giving his body up. They remember him separating his shoulder and coming back in the game. You know, those are things that, that went, you know, locker rooms over. And, and that night he won the locker room over. Then on top of that, you go out and you bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I wasn't so much opposed to the move. 
I was just upset that they basically handed Ryan Fitzpatrick a job that he's never been able to hold on to no matter where he's been. And that's not knocking him. If you play in the NFL for 16 years, you obviously are a professional, you know what you're doing and you've had some success. But with that said, Ryan Fitzpatrick's best, best, you know, I guess attribute for him is, is that he's a guy that comes in in relief of someone who's struggling, not the other way around. So I thought you should have gone with Heineke from day one, um, let him get out there. And if he just couldn't, you know, couldn't grasp the moment, if that sample size wasn't, you know, enough from the Buccaneer game, then you, you know, if he struggles, then you have your guy who's used to coming in with no pressure on him. And I can say this, I didn't really see anything. And again, this isn't a pile on Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a good dude. But I didn't see anything in, in, in any of the camps. And even, in, you know, the first two weeks of the season at practice, I haven't seen anything that made me go, wow, you know, he made a throw that I haven't seen before. Wow, you know, his leadership qualities are off the charts. I haven't seen anything that would make me think that they just have another quarterback. But with, at least with Taylor, I saw a guy that can move around in the pocket, get out of the pocket. And, and I think everyone witnessed this last night. And, and we've been saying this, you know, people who cover the team, we've been saying this for a long time. He can make all the throws. I mean, he can make every throw you need him to make. Yesterday's game, he started off, he was throwing a little high. Um, but once he got his feet under him, you started seeing the accuracy that he can play with. I mean, he was making throws that we haven't seen here in a while. That's the truth. Um, throws in the middle of the field, the, the, the throw to Ricky Sills Jones, you know, that that's after he looked to the opposite side twice. <laughs> and then he went back to the other side of the field on a deep corner route. I mean, that's just those throws that we haven't seen too often. So to answer your question, um, he should have started from day one. And is it his job now? Absolutely. I don't think it's his job to lose. It's his job. This team's not in the business right now of trying to play musical chairs. They needed someone to get the job, take it, hold on to it, and, and even possibly put to sleep, you know, having to go get another quarterback next year. I still think they're going to have to draft a quarterback, but the best scenario possible is possibly playing out for this team. And that's you already have a guy on the roster that can start, that can lead you, that can play. And then you can draft a quarterback and let them go into camp next year, you know, with maybe Heineke as your entrenched starter, but you draft someone who can battle with him, who can grow with him. And, and if he beats him out, great. But if not, then you're okay with who you have. That's the way it should be. Is there growing support um, that if Heineke could somehow, um, if the Washington football team was a division essentially, and Heineke has a, a good season. He's like one of the main contributors to um, them winning a division. Is there growing support that he can be the starting quarterback coming into next season? Or is the mindset of the locker room that the, there's so much talent on this team, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is, we should win a division no matter what? No, I mean, I, I think I think from what you saw last night, guys, guys play for this guy. You know, you remember the whole, you know, Chase Young, Heineke thing last year. I mean, you saw Terry McLaurin, you know, Terry McLaurin just talked to us during the week about, you know, he's a leader and he wants to be the guy and he, it, it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. You know, he said, yeah, of course, you know, he's played for a lot of different quarterbacks and continuity with someone would be great. But nevertheless, he didn't make any excuses or anything. But you but you knew that was something that he, that's in his mind. You know, what would it be like to play with the same guy? Well, the guy that he played with last night looks for him, <laughs> you know, and 
kind of goes out of his way to look for you know number 17 and that's what you want you want you want a quarterback that's force feeding their best player on offense and I didn't see that last week in the in the Charger games. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Terry was targeted one time in the first half. I don't care if they're double, triple teaming him, quadruple teaming him. You still have to throw the ball his way, and that's something that Taylor did last night. He he literally was force feeding Terry McLaurin, and that's what this team needs. So, I just think right now they have a gamer. You know, last night was a game where let's be honest. There was no defense played on either side of the ball. I mean, it was bad. It was just up and down the field, up and down the field. By two teams that actually have two of the better defenses in the NFL, at least on paper they did, and coming into the season they did. But they haven't, you know, neither defense has lived up to its billing in their first two games, and it almost cost Washington their second game. It did cost the Giants their second game. But we're going to know a lot more about yeah, – I think we're going to know an extremely uh, – <laughs> big big sample size coming up for taylor heineke because let's face it guys they won last night's game but he only had three days to prepare as a starter for this game you know so now you're going to have literally a week and a half to get ready for buffalo it's almost like the perfect storm at the at the right time and it also gives them a chance to have a week and a half to look at what's going on with this defense that was supposed to carry them so you know next week we'll see you know in buffalo the sample size is, is it enough now to say that this guy's this is their guy quarterback but if he goes up there and slings it around and they and they were to beat buffalo i think that's going to put any talk of ryan fitzpatrick even if he even if he is able to come back there won't be any talk about who's the starting quarterback ron rivera and company would be silly to take that kid out of there if he can go on buffalo and do what he did last night you talked about the defense and i want to stay on the defensive side of the ball here you know, the Washington football team, their strength should be their D-line, right? And they had an underrated secondary, I thought, going into this year on top of that. But last week, I didn't get to see the Chargers in the Washington football team game. It was week one. We had a whole lot of things going on. I'm only human after all. I couldn't watch all the games. But when I saw Justin Herbert and the Chargers won the game, I just said, all right, maybe he's Justin Herbert. You know, no sophomore slump. He's just this good quarterback, this great quarterback that was good last year that's carrying that momentum with that revamped offensive line that the Chargers had. Now, we go into this game, and I'm looking at this game, and I'm seeing Daniel Jones look fairly comfortable in that pocket with one of the worst offensive lines in football with a guy that went down early in the game. So I'm saying to myself, hmm, what's going on here with this Washington defensive line? So I got a question for you. Do you think it's more likely we see you know, the mojo come back from this D-line. They didn't make plays. They did get to Daniel Jones a couple times, had a couple sacks in the first half. But the second half, I don't know what happened. Do you think they find a mojo? Or do you think it's more likely we see this offense actually being the one that carries this whole entire team going forward? No, no, no. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to get it back. Um, what's going on is that I think Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, is too dependent on rushing for for down linemen and that's it and i understand those four you know first rounders and we get all that but if something's not working you got to change up what you're doing i mean you got to send some blitzes you got to stunt you got to do different things and you notice when they started bringing the blitz daniel jones started getting uncomfortable <laughs> and that's the way it's supposed to be you've got to do something to take a quarterback off his spot 
if he can stand back and be in his, entrenched in his comfort zone, you're going to lose every game. I mean, at the end of the day, whether you think Daniel Jones is an upper echelon quarterback or not, he's still a professional. He's still in the NFL as a starter, so he can do some things and he can run. That's the other thing. He's killed Washington with his legs in the past, and I was just surprised that they didn't shadow him. You drafted Jamin Davis because he's an athlete. You draft him because he's fast, he's mobile, he can move around, and then you don't use him to his strengths. So Washington now, they have to take the gloves off of him, let him play ball, and not let him be a robot out there. I saw, you know, as the game progressed, they started moving him around, and he started making some plays. Had a really nice tackle on Saquon Barkley, basically blew up Saquon. You know, those are the things that he's capable of if you let him play and not think. So I think as a whole, the defense, they're thinking. You can see it in the secondary. You know, it was a mixed coverage where um, Darius Slayton dropped a short touchdown. <laughs> you know, that's a blown coverage. We've seen a lot of that. How many times did you guys see last night wide open receivers in the middle of the field? Um, Justin Herbert and the Chargers a week ago were just killing Washington, doing the same thing. So the Giants saw something and they capitalized on it. Clearly, Buffalo's looking at the same footage, and they're going to see what they can do with it. So I just think for the defense, the defense will be ultimately definitely what carries this team because it's just too much talent on the board. I think they're going to have to take a hard look, though, at the at the Cam Curl-Landon Collins tandem at safety. They're, they're both strong safeties, and for my money, I'm going with Cam Curl. I just thought he played so well last year. He's dynamic. He's playing okay now, but they're they're moving him in different areas that he wasn't doing last year. So if you can get him back a strong safety and then maybe have a, a Bobby McCain play free safety or, or someone that, that's comfortable at free safety that can be a playmaker and not get lost in coverage, because let's face it, that's not Landon Collins' strength. Coverage is definitely not his strength. I think it'll fix something. They have to show up that back for sure in order to get something up front. Um, I think, I mean, you both hinted at the defense not playing as well as we would like to expect them to play. I was wondering, um, in your opinion, do you believe is the play calling that, that is, that's shifting these different coverages or the players just need to do a better job getting to where they need to get to? Because, like you said, there were a lot of receivers open uh, throughout the entirety of the game. I think it's both. I mean, again, you know, obviously players have to perform and the front four isn't generating a pass rush consistently and that falls on them and their skills. Um, but, you know, you have Jonathan Allen. He's got two sacks already. He had two last night. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he got one last week. So he's all, already, you know, one away from his season total from a year ago in the first two games. So that's a plus. Um but, but, you, but, you know, Montez Sweat got a sack last night. Chase Young was very disruptive at times. But it still hasn't come together completely. And I think with the linebacker core, I think that's the, 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 the Achilles of this defense. It's their linebacking unit. You know, they're, they're adequate, but I don't see anyone that's, you know, going to go out there and be lights out. Um, they're expecting for Davis to turn into that. But right now as a rookie, he's still finding his way. So that's, that's the middle of the field. That's the part that's getting exploited right there. I think this whole um, experiment that wasn't of Landon Collins playing linebacker, I think it needs to happen. I, I truly do. I know he doesn't want to hear that, um, you know, but it, it, and I'm not saying he has to play it every down, but on passing situations, he might be the better 
you know, more athletic guy, him and him and Davis to stay in. And you, you got to get Bostic off the field on passing downs. That's just not his game. And he struggles immensely in that department. Cole Holcomb's adequate. But again, they don't have a guy that's just going to lock up tight ends and, and, and guys in the middle of the field. And they're going to have to figure that out. That's coaching schemes right there. Any updates we have on Curtis Samuel? I know he retweeted this hammy in practice and he's going to be a vocal point of this offense probably the number two receiver alongside terry mclaurin any updates on when we could potentially see curtis samuel on the football field well he's on the injury reserve right now so i mean he's not eligible until week four um so you know you have one more game and then possibly in atlanta he can hit the field um you know, I, I don't know how severe the injury is. I know that the team doesn't doesn't give us a whole lot with that. And Ron Rivera is getting frustrated with us for asking. But for my money, seeing this stuff in the past, these are lingering injuries. And, you know, if he's not ready by week four, that's a problem. You know, then, then, then it's, it's time to be honest about the situation and say, hey, this guy might need to be on the shelf, you know, until week eight, you know, put him on pup, you know, or um, perhaps even surgery. And I know Ron Rivera almost, you know, lost his head when the surgery question was asked. He specifically told us right in front of us, that's not something that's under consideration and it's not even a word they've talked about. So he said he doesn't want to hear that and don't start creating things. But, I mean, this is our job, <laughs> not to create things, but to ask those questions and, yeah, I think Terry, uh, I think Terry McLaurin would benefit from Curtis Samuel big time. Um, he's already a great player, uh, so if you can get another player on the field with some speed, it opens your game up even more. So McLaurin definitely would benefit. Deami Brown would benefit as well. But, I mean, the offense would benefit to have that kind of talent on the field, but we haven't seen him practice with the team. I mean, we just we haven't seen much from him to know what he's capable of doing in this specific offense. I want to go back to Taylor real quick because I think yesterday I was extremely surprised with his pinpoint accuracy um, and his ability to really give every receiver a lot of a lot of different looks and targets. Um, he had four receivers with at least five receptions and I believe five receivers with at least three. Um, was there any shock that he would be able to kind of perform this facet where he was able to just kind of spread the love in a sense and everyone kind of got a look, a good look at him getting some yards in the game? No, I mean, you go back to the Buccaneer game, the playoff game. I mean, he, he was spreading the ball around. I mean, he, I mean, Steven Sims had a touchdown in that game late in the game. I mean, they spread the ball around as best they could uh, with him. And that's something that he does. You know, when you have mobile quarterbacks, guys that can run around, they, they see a little bit more because I guess their elusiveness buys them more time to see the field. Ryan Fitzpatrick, on the other hand, is more of a, um, you know, stationary quarterback. And ironically, that's how he got hurt, you know, just not being able to get out of the way of a hit. Well, with Heineke, because he can look left, look right, you saw the throw to Ricky Sills-Jones, he did just that. Those are the type of things that you're going to get from a mobile quarterback. You know, you look up in Chicago, the big talk about is it going to be Fields or Dalton. Um, when Fields is on the field, you know, no pun intended, <laughs> but when he's on the field, literally he can move around and make throws that you know Andy Dalton would never even attempt because he doesn't see that. So that's what you're getting with Heineke. So no, it wasn't a surprise at all. I, I, I actually said uh, on my TV spot last week was that 
you're going to see guys that are going to have to have their head on a swivel because the ball could come to them at any time. And, and the great point that you just made is you saw that last night. I know it's probably a little bit premature to bring up Cam here in this topic, especially what we saw with Taylor Haneke last night. But um, just going back into the scenario that we saw, obviously, when Ryan Fitzpatrick went down to injury, Cam's name was brought up to the forefront to Ron Rivera. I just think that when you look at the last couple of years, and we all know Cam, you know, had his chances to be a part of this unit here when he was a free agent. Do you have any, you know, upfront knowledge or any assumptions on why, you know, before we saw what we saw yesterday with Taylor Haneke, just the last couple of years, why Ron Rivera has not attempted to bring in Cam, especially considering the fact that Kyle Allen, who's on this team, backed up Cam in Carolina. My theory kind of is there must have been something in the relationship between the two or something. I don't know. I wasn't there. But when you see a guy like Urban Meyer bringing in Tim Tebow, a guy that didn't play since 2016 for crying out loud, you know, looking out for his homeboy. Why we haven't seen Ron Rivera attempt to do the same thing? I mean, different personalities for one. Um, Tim Tebow and Cam Newton are the polar opposite <laughs> as far as their locker room presence as far as, you know, the, the way they go about things. And I'm not knocking one way or the other, but it is what it is. I mean, you know, Cam Newton's more of a, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have the media all around him. Um, you know, it, it's just, it comes with the territory of who he is, you know, the dress and, and just everything being different. And I think with Rivera, he's got a young football team here. I, I don't think it's something where, you know, if this was a totally veteran-laden team and they had a veteran quarterback go down, of course Cam might get a call, an opportunity to come in. But this is a different team. This is a team that's building. They're not where they need to be by any means, so they're still building to get to that point. I don't know if Cam is the guy that would take them over the top. Um, that's not knocking him because I've said it myself. Personally, I would have made a call just to see, you know, interested, you know, what, what, what could possibly be. But I also said this, too, the other day. If Heineke went out and, and played well against the Giants, he would put to sleep any talk of Cam because you don't need that now. You got to remember who, uh, you know, who's the backup here now, and that's Kyle Allen, who started a game last year for Washington, who came from Carolina, who was there with Cam, ironically. Um, so he knows the system. Taylor Heineke was in Carolina. He knows he knows the system as well. Personally, I didn't think they needed three quarterbacks on this roster, um, three veteran quarterbacks. Uh, but they understood the injury history of all three. And we already saw one play out exactly like the coaches thought. So I, I'm going to give them a pass on this one. I, I think not making that call is probably the best thing at this moment. Um, now, if things change over the next two, three weeks, then you might start hearing some grumblings. But I, I just don't think Taylor is going to have horrible games or anything like that. I think I think he's a trench that just started on four. Um, I think. Well, last night when we watched the game, you know, J.D. McKissick, 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 um, he looked like the primarily, uh, the primary passing back. Um, I know last season we saw a lot of um, Antonio Gibson getting a lot of uh, pass catching throughout the game. Um, so what, do you have like any insider knowledge of on how they'll play J.D. throughout the season? Is he going to be primarily like the third down back who's going for the passes um, opposed to Antonio Gibson getting those um, different route runs? 
Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I think you'll see a lot of them on the field together on third downs. A lot of times they'll spread Antonio Gibson out wide because he did play, you know, wide receiver in college. And ironically, so did J.D. McKissick. You know, so these guys are, are actually wide receivers that have been converted to uh, running backs at, you know, some point in their careers. Obviously, Gibson's last year was a rookie, but McKissick's was like seven years ago. So, you know, they're both capable of that. But I also think it, it spells Antonio Gibson because they run him a lot between the tackles. And, you know, he is a guy that could be on the field for three downs. But if you have a, a Swiss Army knife and J.D. McKissick, who, who makes big plays, I mean, he had 80 – 80 catches last year. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. That's a lot of balls for a backup running back. You know, so so with that being said, I mean they they're not they're not gonna mess with you know what's not broken. You know, so let's keep it rolling that way, and you'll see more of Gibson getting pass catches on first or second down. You know, as opposed to third down. So it works right now, and I don't see any reason to change it. I love to hear that because I got J.D. McKissick on my fantasy squad. So I would like to see those third down pass, you know, passes to him, you know, in full throttle because I got this guy on my team. But um, Lake Lewis Jr., I know you're a busy man, so I'm going to let you go here. I want to thank you for coming on and spending your time with us on In the Huddle today. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Anytime you want to chop it up, just reach out and I'm here. I appreciate it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. That's Lake Lewis Jr., a Washington football team insider and TV analyst, and he has his own business, sportsjourney.com. So plug it in and enjoy some good football takes, y'all. Y'all know what it is. We'll be back from this commercial break. Welcome back to In the Huddle. My name is Zach Kroll. In case you missed it, my guys over here, Real Will and Isaiah Bermuse, just had a phenomenal interview with uh, Lake Lewis Jr. talking about the Washington football team. But I'm back. We are ready to go, and we are ready to pick some NFL games. Week two coming up on Sunday. And in case you guys missed it, we had a crazy game last night. The Washington football team narrowly finds a way to beat the New York Giants. Lil and I were on the correct side on Washington. Unfortunately, Zay was on the New York Giants. But if you're Zay, you're looking pretty good because you won week one going uh, with a record of 11 and five. Lil finished 10 and six. I was nine and seven. Right now with that extra game picked up by Lil last night, they're tied at the lead. I'm one game back. So after week one, we have a very close race in terms of these NFL picks and the winner at the end of the season, they're going to get some nice bragging rights, which uh, we're all playing for. That's what we all want. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The one o'clock games on Sunday, it's time for some NFL picks. The Denver Broncos, they had a phenomenal start to their season going to New York. They're one and oh, they will be heading to Jacksonville, Florida taking on Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jaguars. Right now, Vegas will have Denver as a six-point favorite in this spot on the road in Jacksonville. I'll start this off. I'll take the Broncos. I think this is a game they have to win because the AFC is so tough, and we just saw what they were able to do last week. Uh, they looked like the significantly better team, especially compared to Jacksonville. What I will say, though, is I think it's going to be a close game. I think that Jacksonville is going to come ready to play just based on their performance last week. Like, it's still professional athletes. They got thoroughly embarrassed. I think they're going to give uh, Denver a good game here. First game in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. But I just think the Broncos have more talent. I think it's going to be much closer than expected. I think Jacksonville has a shot here but I'll go Denver. 
Yeah, I'm going uh, Denver as well. I think uh, the Jaguars, for some reason, whatever reason, are trying to phase out James Robinson from the offense to the point where they got Carlos Hyde becoming the primary back. Uh, and especially, I believe, with Duke Johnson coming back for the uh, the Jaguars, that he's going to be getting some um, carries as well. So I don't know what's happening in that locker room that James Robinson is not an essential piece to that offense. But um, they're, they're, I, don't, I just don't see how they are going to win. The Jaguars are going to even be competitive when they're phasing out one of their better talents on the team. I can tell you why they're phasing out James Robinson, and it's not a good reason why. It's because of that relationship that Urban Meyer has with Carlos Hyde. That's his guy. That's his bag. So that's why we've seen a whole lot of Carlos Hyde. So that's to answer your question, Zay. But um, I'm going to go with the Broncos here, man. Listen, I picked this team to do great things. Why would I pick them to lose? To the Jaguars, I think that they have the defense to give the Jacksonville Jaguars some trouble. If you're Trevor Lawrence or if you're a fan of Trevor Lawrence, you may want to kidnap the brother for the greater good and let him go back to his family once Sunday is over, you know, and, and take it from there. Because Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, you got the defensive side of the ball. Um, I like Denver in this game. Let's stay in the AFC East and or in the AFC as we go to the AFC East, a huge division clash here. The Buffalo Bills, they started off their season 0-1 with a tough loss to Pittsburgh. They're heading down south to South Beach, taking on Tua, Brian Flores, and the Miami Dolphins. Will, you ended our uh, last segment. I'll start. I'll have you start this one off. This is going to be a close game, bro. This is going to be my 1 o'clock game. Let me make sure um, I'm speaking correctly. Yeah, it's going to be my 1 o'clock game to look forward to the most. I like this matchup. The Dolphins had a great win against New England. Looked good. Tua looked okay. But the defense is what's going to carry this team. And I like what I saw. Um, the Buffalo obviously got out to that, st that slow start against the Steelers. But, you know, I think that if Buffalo really want to show the people that had high hopes for them, me included, got them going to the Super Bowl, they have to win a game like this. They cannot go 0-2 in this division. Miami is legit. And so is the Patriots. And so is the Bills. So it's going to be a good game. But I like Buffalo. I like Josh Allen to bounce back. And, um, you know, throw probably three or four touchdown passes in this game. I don't think, even though the Dolphins' defense is good, I still think Josh Allen will have some success. I like the Bills. I'm going to give you a score of 31-27. to 27. Um, Oh, go ahead. Oh, my turn? All right. Uh, so, yeah, as much as I like Josh Allen, I don't like the offensive line that's protecting Josh Allen. Uh, I believe he said it early, uh, a couple episodes ago, the Steelers only had two blitz plays, I believe, in the entire game. And it was just mainly the line, just attacking the island as much as possible, having almost eight quarterback hits. I like the Miami Dolphins in this game. I think their defense is stout. Um, you know, the offense is, is where the real question marks come, and hopefully Tua is going to show why he's the starting quarterback of this team. So I got Miami Dolphins at 31-24. Uh, I didn't mention it. Vegas right now has the Bills going into this game as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Close game. Um, I'm going to agree with Zay. I like Miami in this game for a couple reasons. Number one, look, we knew what the Buffalo Bills were able to do last year. It was a super impressive season. But I thought that that season they had last year was so good. They were due for a little bit of regression. And I'm not going to lie. I watched them last week, and I turned around and I said, look, we all know Stephon Diggs is really good. But if you're a defensive coordinator, if you're Brian Flores, who else on the Bills offense besides Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs really scares you? Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox. Like, I'm not really that 
Uh, I'm not that high on Buffalo's weapons, and their offense really struggled last week, especially against a good defense in Miami. And the Bills, they have expectations now. This is a team that really hasn't been expected to do much for the last 20 years, and now all of a sudden there are a lot of people that are predicting them to go to the Super Bowl. I feel I feel like Miami's defense always finds a way to force the, t- uh, the clutch turnover, make the big-time play. And to be honest, I just think they're flat-out better than Buffalo on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Bills can't run the ball. That's another huge problem. The only way for them to win games is uh, on the back of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Considering they ended Miami season last year, this game in South Beach, Brian Flores has never beaten Sean McDermott. I think he's going to have his team ready to play on an extra level, and I'm going to take Miami to get the win over Buffalo. I don't like to disrespect my brother. I just want to come in here of that wide receiving core. You know, yeah, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen leads the pack. But Emmanuel Sanders can still ball. It's not like A.J. Green over there in the Cardinals showing that he don't have no juice left in his legs. He can still ball. He can still play. And Cole Beasley in the slot, we all know him and and Diggs, they work together, especially against the Cardinals at various points during the year. They had some good, you know, tandems together. And also, Gabriel Davis. Well, I be going to sleep on that guy. That guy, anytime he touches the ball, is for a play, for a big play. So, yeah, I like the the offensive side of the ball. It's the defense that concerns me. So, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I just look at their weapons compared to some of the other teams, and I'm just not as high on them as a team like the Chargers or a team like the Browns in terms of the death. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be a, a good game, no doubt about it. Let's stay in the AFC East. This is the largest line of the game in Vegas. Houston going on the road, a big-time Week 1 effort against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll be heading to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Cleveland obviously had the tough loss against Kansas City. I'll start this off. I think Cleveland rolls here. We gave credit to Tyrod Taylor when it was due, but at the same time, this is a real team. This is a real defense on the road. I think Cleveland's going to come ready to play. I think they're the better team. I love the Browns to roll this one by a decent amount. I will take Cleveland to get the win over Houston. Say. Yeah, I think I'll take the same um, thing. I believe Browns are going to um, roll over the Texans. I think they're going to really stomp them out in this game. Uh, then not only that, I believe that I think they will, they need to. You know, they have to show that that Chiefs game, that loss, was still still a sour taste in their mouth. They have to come in trying to basically tort, like attack everybody that's in front of them at this point. It's, and when they they gotta see the Chiefs again very soon. So uh, yeah, I got the Browns winning. I I, I want to say a 31-17. Well, if the Texans could ride on some of that momentum that they had in that game one, because even though it was against the Jaguars. We, you know, including myself, I predicted them to win one game. And they came out and not only just barely beat the Jaguars, they dismantled the Jaguars. They gave them a whooping that um, I will never forget, you know. And, um, yeah, if they can carry that momentum, Tyrell Taylor, against his um, former team, then they could probably sneak this one out. But um, I'm going to go with the Browns here because, uh, you know, I have the Browns making the playoffs. Most people have the Browns winning the division. And if you're going to call this a division winner, they got to beat the Texans, you know, especially losing a close game to the Chiefs. So I'm going to go with the Browns in a 27-17 to 17 victory. Moving on, next game, we'll get a little AFC versus NFC action. This is a close spread in Vegas, only two and a half. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, they will head on the road to Soldier Field, taking on Matt Nagy and the Bears. Right now, Vegas has Chicago as a two and a half point favorite at home. Will, I'll throw this over to you to start us off. Yeah, so there was a point that I mentioned on the last show that we did about Andy Dalton and why I think he should start this game in particular. 
and it's because it's against his former team. So I'm expecting a little bit of juice from Andy Dalton, you know. And if he can't produce that and they lose this game, then Justin Fields needs to start week three. No doubt about it, you know. And um, we're going to see how Andy Dalton goes up against his former team. I'm going to go with the Bengals here with the upset. I don't know if it is an upset or not. Zach, you can read me the Vegas lines, who they got. It's an upset. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the upset here, and I'm going to go with the Bengals. I loved what I've seen in that week one against the Vikings, you know. And I thought Joe Burrow coming back from an ACL injury was going to start off slow. I didn't expect a fast start coming right off an injury. Well, we got it last week. I think it carries into this week. Jamal Chase, watch out for him. And watch out for my guy, T. Higgins, your underrated um, receiver in this game right now. So I like the Bengals to go on the road and pull off an upset. I'll give you a score of 21 to 14. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, taking the upset, Bengals. You know, I think uh, Joe Burrows are the dot that receives a lot. We have seen um, when the Bears played against um, the Rams that that secondary is a tad suspect. I don't know if it's because it's against the Rams. But I think these um, Bengals receivers are stout. I think they're uh, underrated in the league. And I think that um, they're going to win 20-14. to 14. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you guys, and it's crazy that all three of us are going to be on an underdog. But I just think the Bengals have the significantly better quarterback in this game. And I think the fact that it's in Chicago doesn't necessarily help Andy Dalton's cause. Because you know, if by the end of the first quarter, the Bears, if it's a 0-0 game, there's a good chance that the Bears fans are going to be chanting for Justin Fields. Like, for God's sakes, we watched that preseason game. The Bears fans were going crazy for this guy in the first half of the preseason game when Andy Dalton wasn't doing anything. Now, imagine in a game that you really should win at home with that crowd first time back in Soldier Field for a, will, a real game in over a year. I think it's going to be a tough spot for Matt Nagy. I think we could see Justin Field sooner rather than later, but that's going to be the downfall here for Chicago. The uncertainty at the quarterback position. When I look at the other sideline, I look at Cincinnati, I see a warrior in Joe Burrow. I think he is playing at a great level, obviously one game, but I was really encouraged with what I saw. I think he is a quarterback that is going to be able to win the Bengals games by himself. He's that good. He's that dynamic. I will take Cincinnati to get the win over Chicago. We are all on the same page like in the Bengals. Guys, I'm actually going to go with another underdog here for this next game. Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, and the San Francisco 49ers, they will be heading to the city of brotherly love, taking on Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I got to say, guys, I'm taking the Eagles in this game. I am all in with Jalen Hurts. And I think maybe the Eagles might just be the best team in the NFC East. And I totally understand. It's one week. I'm really not trying to overreact. But they didn't only beat the Falcons. They dismantled them. That was really the most impressive performance of week one, if I'm being honest. That game wasn't close. And the 49ers, I just hate how they ended that game against Detroit. The fact that they really almost gave that game away. The fact that this game is going to be in Philadelphia. West Coast team flying east. Vegas right now has the 49ers as a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the underdog Eagles here to get the job done. It's just hard for me to quit Jalen Hurts right now. This guy's story is incredible. He's so easy to root for. And I think at home, Week two, he's going to be motivated, and maybe the Philadelphia Eagles might just take control of the NFC East after two weeks. I'm all in with Philadelphia over San Francisco. Zach? Yeah, I agree. I think I got the Eagles for the upset win. I think that um, the San Fran 49ers performance in week one was horrendous. I think giving up 33 points to that Detroit Lions team um, is definitely going to raise a lot of awareness into that locker room, but I don't know if they're going to be able to um, add on to add on to anything against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles just stopped a high octane offense in the Falcons. Well, I feel like it's a high octane offense with all the weapons they have over there in Atlanta. They're only six points, 
and I think um, Matt Ryan had under 200 yards. So I, I like the Falcons. I mean, I like the Eagles' defense into this going into this game. But I also like Jalen Hurts' his ability to to create basically nothing into something on any possible down. So um, I like the Eagles winning this game. How ironic that a brother like me gave the Eagles the, the biggest respect out of the group here by you know saying they was gonna come in third place with an eight and nine record. Both of y'all fellas had them in last place. And how ironic that a week, you know, one week, game one can change your outlook on a team. That's the NFL for you. And that's why the NFL is kingpin up sports. Because in one week, your season could be over or we can have a totally different opinion from last week. But um, I think it's going to be a close game. I agree in that aspect. I think it's going to be a close game. I think that, you know, the 49ers traveling back to the East Coast. You know, last week they was, what do you call that, Central? Um, some, something like that you call that Central. You know, they went over there, the Lions, two games in a, on the road for the first two games. You know, that's not good, but their schedule gets easier from here on out. So all they got to do is go to Philly and, you know, preach that. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, two obviously long trips, one o'clock to start off. But our schedule, if we can get this win, is easier after that. So I think they will take advantage. Listen, I like Jalen Hurts. He's a leader. That's his biggest quality. Sometimes those are the best qualities to have other than talent. And I like him, but I'm going to pick the 49ers to win a close game. 27-24, last second field goal. I think Jimmy Garoppolo in the running game will get going. I think the running game, watch out for Elijah Mitchell. But I also think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do enough to get them a victory, 27-24 in a row. I don't know if uh, this changes your opinion with anything, but the 49ers, after staying in Detroit uh, last week, they didn't even go home. They stayed in a cabin in West Virginia for the whole week to get ready for this Eagles game. So you wonder if that's going to have any real effect uh, on the time zone difference and stuff like that. But um, they did line, too. They did line is, is great. It's one of the best defensive lines in football. So I'm not sure if they're going to get that running game, the Eagles going, and they might have to defer to Jalen Hurts. Let's see what he does with it. Will, we'll keep it over to you for our next matchup. Another really good divisional game. Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. They are a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in a divisional clash with Sam Darnold, Matt Rule, and the Carolina Panthers. Who do we like in this one and why? This is a toss-up. This is a flip of a coin. I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints on the road in a closed game. They have that momentum from beating the Packers and, you know, giving them a whooping, a can of whoop-ass. That's basically what they gave the Packers. And I think that going on the road, I like what they have. I like this team. I'm probably going to be higher on this team than you guys because I just see the formula for winning now. You know, you got Alvin Kamara that I believe he he, he did good. He did good. He had uh, close to 100 yards in total offense. And they have a formula now. Run the ball, right? And you have Jawan Johnson and Chris Hogan and Callaway. Marquise Callaway, who I didn't call his name last week. I think they have a lot, you know, they have a lot of weapons. You know, it might not be the biggest names from before, but they still have weapons that Jameis Winston is spreading the ball out to, along to go with Alvin Kamara. So I think they're going to go on the road and get one on the road and still one. But watch out for the Panthers. I'm going to go with the, with the Saints. Uh, I say about 31 to 24. I go with the Saints by touchdown. Zay? I, I like the Carolina Panthers in this game. I think they're going to apply a little more pressure to Jameis Winston and that uh, that offensive line of the Saints. Um, I think the offense is going to have to show me a little bit more on um, the Carolina front to see if they can really, um, you know, put some points on the board, per se. But I think I like this Panthers team. I would say the score would be 
17-14, Carolina Panthers. I think the Panthers' defense is stout, and I think their secondary is very sneaky. So uh, watch out for some turnovers this game. Zay, we've been on the same page basically throughout these whole picks, and it's going to continue here. I'm with you. I like the Carolina Panthers to get the win over the Saints. And look, the Saints deserve credit for their performance last week. That was a phenomenal effort. They beat up on the Packers. The game wasn't particularly close. But I don't think Carolina is getting enough credit for their defensive performance against the New York Jets last week because it's the Jets. We know their offensive line isn't good. They have a rookie quarterback. They have a a rookie head coach. But I think Carolina's defense is legit. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, they know how to get to the quarterback. I like what I saw from Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey looked 100% healthy and ready to go last week. That is a great sign. If you're the Carolina Panthers, I think Anderson and Moore do just enough. Uh, I think Jameis Winston played really well, but I don't think he's thrown five touchdowns every week, especially against this Panther defense. It's legit. I'm going to go Carolina winning this one in a close game. I would say by under a touchdown, but in Carolina should be a good atmosphere. Big division game in week two between two one or no teams. You love to see it. It's going to come down to the D-line. You know, um, both defenses is good. The Saints got a good D-line. The Panthers got a good good D-line. Which D-line can get a takeaway to win them the game? Moving on, next 1 o'clock game, a little NFC versus AFC action here as Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, they lead the Rams heading on the road to Indianapolis, taking on Carson Wentz, Frank Reich, and the Colts. I'll take the Rams in this game. I just think they're the better team. We saw last week, the Colts didn't look particularly good. I do think the division is still very open. It's still uh, super up for grabs. But at the same time, not an ideal draw of the schedule for the Colts when you have to play Seattle and the Rams, even though at home in the first two games. I think the Rams are one of the three best teams in the NFL. Uh, Their quarterback is going to make just enough plays. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, they know what to do against a guy like Carson Wentz. I just think the Rams are the better team here, and I'll take them to get the win. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites in Vegas. I think they cover that. Say. Yeah, I got the Rams in this game. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford, if he throws another three touchdowns and over 300 yards, I'm definitely calling him MVP candidate. That's just how I feel about the man. I think he's a stout player, and I think he was in a position in uh, Detroit Lions where he was essentially drowning in the, as the ship was like sinking. And, you know, he finally got out of there, got the lifeboat. Sean McVay said, here, here's a raft. And he brought him over to Los Angeles and let him ball out like you know he could ball out. So I got the Rams winning. I think they're going to win in an amazing fashion. I think um, – it's going to be a blowout victory for the um, Rams. Um, we all we all going to be on the same boat here. You know, talk about life-saving. We all on the same boat. Hopefully that boat gets safely ashore. You know, because <laughs> um, I, I like the Rams. I just think they're a better team on both sides of the ball. Now, granted, the Colts are not bad on the defensive side of the ball. They got a good team, a good, um, perfectly constructed team for a quarterback to sustain success. But um, once again, I'm not on a Carson Wentz type train at all. I'm going to take the Rams. I think they can pressure Carson Wentz and force him to some of those turnovers that we was accustomed to seeing in his days in Philly. I think they're going to be able to do so with Jalen Ramsey obviously taking away Michael Pittman. I, w- I would believe he, he is their number one guy with T.Y. Hilton hurt. So exclude Michael Pittman out of the picture. Who else is going to step up? Pascal? I don't think so. We're not talking about Siakam here. I'm going to go with the Rams to win this game. Um, a low scoring game that is 20 to 14 or 17 to 14 something like that moving on next game a historic rivalry in the AFC as Derek Carr John Gruden and the Raiders coming off a big time Monday night football win on a short week they'll be heading to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh taking on Big Ben Mike Tomlin and the Steelers will throw it over back to you what do we got in this one if the Raiders can go on the road Heinz Field and win this game 
then this team is legit. And I think it's fair to, when we do our next power rankings, to put them in the top 10. If they can go on the road and still win like this, when you talk about the Steelers' D-line that caused havoc, that literally shut Buffalo in its tracks and didn't allow them to sustain any rhythm, if they're able to go on the road and win this game, then this team is legit. With that being said, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I like the Steelers. I like their D-line. Um, can I get more from that offense, please? You know, they did make a play. Deontay Johnson win that game in Buffalo. Cool. But can I get more from this offense? And can I get more from Najee Harris with some running lanes for him to run the football? If I can get some of those things, then I like this team going down the line. But even if I don't, I still like this defense. I'm going to go with the Steelers to win this game. Jay? Yeah, I got the Steelers winning the game. I, I think they have an amazing defense. And uh, they, showcase, they showcase the last game. I think it's going to continue in Heinz Field. Um, I think the Raiders, they had, a, they had a really good game one. I just don't know how they're going to uh, – I have to see. I have to see how they play against this defense that the Steelers are showcasing because T.J. Watt is looking like an absolute beast. And the only way you're going to be able to stop him is, I don't know, you're going to have to call, call somebody say, hey, there's an emergency. We need you. Make sure he's not on the field. But that's that's the only way I can see the, the Raiders winning this game. I think this is a super tough spot for the Raiders. I think they're still celebrating from that win on Monday Night Football over the Ravens. Just a crazy emotional roller coaster that game was. And I think that the Raiders' defense in that game was able to do enough to force uh, two big-time turnovers. And really, that's what resulted in a Raiders' win. Uh, you could have easily made the argument that the Ravens were the better team in that game, and they really gave the game away based on those two turnovers. Uh, I've been going to Heinz Field, playing in front of fans. The Steelers are usually good early in the season. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, is going to make just enough plays. I don't think the Raiders' defense is anything special. I think it's average at best. I think the Steelers had the uh, big defensive advantage in this one, and I'm going to agree with you guys. I will take the Steelers to get the win here right now. Vegas has them as a six point favorite. I think they cover that number as well. Staying in the AFC, staying with our final one o'clock game, Bill Belichick, Mac Jones. They're sitting with the record of 0-1. They'll be heading on the road to MetLife Stadium, taking on Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, and the Jets. I got to be honest with you guys. I think it's a tough spot for my Jets here. We know the Patriots are going to be motivated. We know they're going to be ready to play. They really should have won that game against Miami last week if Damian Harris doesn't fumble. And I just think of the two rookie quarterbacks, Matt Jones is obviously in the better situation with the better offensive line. Uh, but look, I was impressed from what I saw from the Jets last week in the second half. I think that's a game where if Adam Gaze is coaching the team, they lose by 30-plus. But Robert Sala found a way to make the proper adjustments. And maybe if Zach Wilson could connect with Elijah Moore on that deep ball in the first half, it's a different game. I think in this spot, though, it's tough. I think it's going to be a close game. The fans are going to be into it at MetLife. They've been wanting to see this kid and this coach for a while. But I think New England and Mac Jones makes just enough plays late. I like the Jets to cover the six, but I will take New England to get the win. Yeah, I actually – um. You know, I'm going to go against the grain there, and I'm going to say the New York Jets are going to win the game because that is my team, and I like them. But also, I believe because Jameson Crowder is back in the, the um, rotation lineup, and um, he's come back, I believe, from um, COVID-related um, uh, injury. Uh, I forgot the exact terminology, but he um, so he's going to be back in the, in the depth chart. And um, I think he his addition to the, to the roster is going to add a little bit more boost to the offense. I think it's going to help uh, get the field more open than before. Um, I like the Jets in this game. I think they'll win 17-14. Uh, I think uh, until the Patriots and Mac Jones could show me that they could score more touchdowns and get the field moving down the chain, I, I, right now I got the uh, Jets winning 17 Look, Yeah, I'm not trusting Bill Belichick to lose two games in a row. 
you know, that really happens. I'm going to go with the Patriots here at home. You know, the Jets, I like what I saw in the second half, like Zach a little too. And I like what I saw from the quarterback, Zach Wilson. He didn't play back considering the circumstances. He still found Corey Davis for a couple touchdowns. Obviously, that connection is something that is going to be lethal down the line even further because Corey Davis can ball, and so can Zach Wilson. But um, I just like, you know, rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. It does, it does not usually turn out good for rookie quarterbacks. But Belichick knows how to take away your number one, and we'll see if Jamison Crowder could be that number two that steps up. I don't think so. I like the Patriots to win this game at home. Four o'clock games. Let's get to it with some NFC battles. We will start off. The 0-1 Minnesota Vikings, they will be heading to the Valley of the Sun, taking on the 1-0 Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray leading the way there. We'll throw this over to you. Who do we got and why? I like the Cardinals to win this game. We saw what they did against the Titans, a bad defense in the Titans, that is, how they torched them up. I think they do the same thing with the Vikings. Now, I know a lot of people tried to say that the Vikings have some names that are, you know, name recognition-wise or supposed to be talented players and Patrick Peterson, Rashard Breeland, and that sort. But um, so far from what I've seen, Joe Burrow tear them out the frame. This defense is still a lot to be decided for. I think Cardinals and I think Kyler Murray will tear this defense apart into shreds once again, and that's going to be a lot of momentum for this Cardinals team if they can go 2-0 in a competitive division. I like Kyler Murray, and I like these receivers to have big games against that Vikings secondary. Give me the Cardinals. Say. Yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to win. I think if the Cardinals said, hey, we're going to put in all the third-string players um, to start the game, and I still think they'll win the game. I just don't trust the Vikings' defense. I think they're horrible. I just They, they just make ridiculous plays, and then the offense is just as ridiculous. So I like the Cardinals winning this game, and I think they're going to have an extraordinary box score. I think it's probably going to be like 28-3. Cool, 28-3 style, okay. Uh, look, I'm going to agree with you guys on the Cardinals. Flat out, I just think they're the better team, and there's no excuse for them to lose this game. I feel like last week they were one of the more impressive teams in week one, but you have to go follow that up at home and come ready to play. Uh, look, the Vikings played terrible in that game against the Bengals. Mike Zimmer clearly wasn't happy. I think his uh, seat could be heating up, and I just think that I agree with you guys. Like, you look at the defense, there's some names, but at the same time, I just don't necessarily know how good they are. I don't necessarily know how well uh, this roster fits together. I will be on Arizona along with the two of you guys. Yeah, to win one more point. Um, before you go on to the next one, and I think when we had our debates about the Cardinals, you brought up a good point, too. Um, Cardinals... This is a game you better not lose, all right? You know, you beat good teams, and you shock people, and then you'll lose a game like this. Do not make me look stupid on this damn mic. Win this game. To be honest, it's a great point. This is a, one of the concerns I had with the Cardinals. But once again, they're clearly the better team. There is no excuse. I agree 100%, especially when you're in a tough NFC West. You need every game you could get. Uh, it's a must-win. Go take it. Uh, Minnesota, Arizona right now is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Vegas. Another huge line. Um, Will, I'll throw this back over to you. I have a feeling who you're going to pick in this one. Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, they're seeing it 0-1. They'll be heading on the road to Tampa Bay, taking on the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Tampa sitting at 1-0. They are a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Will? I'm going to pick violence. I <laughs> think the, the Buccaneers are going to be violent to the Falcons. I think that they're going to, you know, fly to the ball and sack Matt Ryan and make my, Matt Ryan want to retire after the season. I'm picking violence. Listen, like what Tom Brady has been doing, that's my MVP right there. That's my QB right there. 
I think they're going to have a good game. Watch out for AB. Watch out for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans for a bounce back game. I like them. Give me the Buccaneers over the Falcons, especially the fact that that defense is suspect and you got weapons that you got to account for on each side of the football field. I like the Buccaneers. Set. I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to pick the Falcons over the Buccaneers for the upset of the week. You know, I think the Falcons had a horrible week one. Like, it's really bad. And you usually don't see an offense that bad coming, especially coming from Atlanta. I think they're going to bounce back this week. And I think they're going to shock everyone in Tampa Bay with a victory. <laughs> wow. I think he just um, did that to get me mad. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'll say about the Falcons is, like, I love Kyle Pitts as a player. I think he's going to be big time, but I still don't know how you take a tight end at the number four overall pick. That basically implies that you thought Matt Ryan had two to three more good years left. And watching him on Sunday, that clearly wasn't the case. Um, I think teams like Atlanta making draft mistakes like that, that, those are moves that really set your franchise back. Just ask the Giants and Saquon Barkley. I agree with Will. I think the Bucks roll in this one. I think Atlanta... Just watching them last week, I don't know what that was. Like, they literally didn't show up. They couldn't even score a touchdown at home. And now they have the Buccaneers on the road. I think it's going to be a tough spot. I like the Bucs to win big and the Bucs to cover over Atlanta. Another big-time 4 o'clock game here. Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be heading on the road, taking on Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and the L.A. Chargers. First game for the Chargers at the SoFi Stadium, brand-new stadium, in front of fans. I like the Chargers in this game, guys. I look at Dallas, and the amount of injuries that they've suffered over the last couple of weeks have been brutal. Zach Martin, Demarcus Lawrence, losing Randy Gregory to COVID while Collins gets suspended. I think that takes too much of a hit for Dallas. Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy, I'm not trusting them in a big game on the road. I think Brandon Staley is in contention for coach of the year. Five years ago, this dude was coaching D2 football, and now... Five years later, he's getting ready for a big-time matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. I think Justin Herbert is a special player. Watching him on Sunday against the Washington football team sit in the pocket, make all the right throws. The Chargers' weapons are going to be on fire in this game. Um, I like the Chargers to put up a lot of points in this one. See what Dallas's offense could do. I think the Chargers' defense is undervalued as a unit. Joey Bosa, Derwin James, not many defenses have that many playmakers. I think the Chargers might just be the biggest threat in the AFC to Kansas City. I like them to win and cover here over Dallas. They're right now three and a half point favorites. Zay, who do we got and why? I got the Chargers. Uh, I think because of the amount of injuries that Dallas has amassed, I believe Gallup is out for four weeks as well uh, with a string calf or a day set or whatever. But, uh, you know, I think Dallas has way too many injuries on that on that front from offense and defense. I think they just don't have enough to contain that Chargers offense, and especially they don't have enough to contain that Chargers defense when they're attacking you, Joey Bosa, and those boys. So I got Chargers winning this game. Well. You see, in a game like this, I think it's 50-50 on the table. 50-50, you know, it could be either way. Um, I think the Chargers do have the better team as far as on, you know, both sides of the ball, even though the Cowboys have the stardom, you know, of C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, obviously Mike Gallup is out. That means Cedric Wilson is going to be in the game. But um, the defensive line advantage that the um, that the Chargers have the offensive line is better than the Cowboys in my opinion that revamped offensive line is probably one of the best in the league and I think Justin Herbert will put up points but as I'm looking at this game I think it's going to be high scoring but you know what I'm going to take the Cowboys and the reason why I'm going to take the Cowboys is because they showed me something going on the road against the Buccaneers they should have won that game I think this game will be a shootout in which we can see the Cowboys go on the road 
and actually upset the Chargers on the road and get that victory to bring their record to one and one. Yeah, I mean, just one quick thought. I think this is a classic letdown spot for the Cowboys. We've seen this so many times in a game where they don't necessarily win, but they play good and everyone's kind of back on the Cowboy bandwagon. Every time that happens, I'm just going to go the other way. But hey, I, I think this is a big time game. I'm, I'm really excited. Four o'clock CBS, it's going to be good. Um, final four o'clock game. We'll go again, AFC, NFC, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, they will be heading on the road. They currently right now are 0-1. For the second straight week, they will have a tough NFC West opponent, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the Seahawks come waiting. Um, Will, I'll throw it over to you to start. Who do we like and why? This is not a good matchup for the Titans. You know, um, off a loss, this is not good. Um, However, you know, they do bounce back. You know, one thing about their history, once they get punched in the mouth and they lose in, in great fashion, they always come back and win the next game. So that's credit to the coaching and Mike Vrabel to always have his guys wild up and ready to go off a loss. I think he gets some of that from Bill Belichick and it spreads on to this team. But on the road against Seattle, at Seattle, that's always one of the toughest places there is to, to play at, um, especially whether it's 4 o'clock or primetime especially. Well, that's the only time they play at that stadium is 4 o'clock in primetime. So anyway, so, you know, um, I like the Seahawks to win this game at home. I just think they're going to make plays enough plays you know Russell Wilson looked like an MVP form like he was an MVP form with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett I just don't see nobody on that Titans defense that can stop those two fellas in the secondary I like the Seahawks to win this game at home say yeah I agree I think the Seahawks gonna win this game at home um the Titans play caller uh the offensive coordinator his first year I just don't trust him right now I that last game was really bad on all front of all fronts and um the Titans defense don't look like it's there either so I I Seahawks winning this game um, like you said, Wilson looks good. That defense on, in Seattle looks great. Jam- Jamal Adams looks really good, too. Uh, he looks comfortable out there. So uh, I like I the Seahawks in this game. Zay, it's a great point you mentioned about, about Todd Downing, the new Titans offensive coordinator. He was actually uh, the coordinator for the Raiders a couple of years ago, and I was really unimpressed, really uninspired. And not going to lie, watching that game Sunday against the Cardinals, his play calling was not ideal. I mean, could you guys just pick up Chandler Jones for once? I mean, I, I really don't know what that was about. Um, I think the Titans defense could be worse than advertised, and we obviously weren't high on them to begin with. Ryan Tannehill didn't even have a chance to throw in that game. I love Seattle here at home. I just think they're the clearly better team. And in this NFC West, you need everyone you can get. We will be right back here on In the Huddle. Quick commercial break as we finish the segment picking the two primetime games. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. My name is Zach Kroll, along with my guys, The Real Will and Isaiah Bermuse, as we'll be ending up our NFL Week 2 picks with the primetime games. Let's get right into it. Sunday Night Football, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs. They're sitting with the record of 1-0. They'll be heading on the road to Baltimore, taking on Lamar Jackson, Coach Harbaugh, and the Ravens. They sit with the record at 0-1. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I think this is a tough, tough spot for the Ravens. They have never been able to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs throughout the career of Lamar Jackson. And now, when I look at this Ravens team, they're going to be missing Ronnie Stanley. They're going to be missing Marcus Peters. They're going to be missing basically all their running backs. Now they're going to have to move Big Al Villanueva to left tackle, and Chris Jones is going to be ready to eat. Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew will be back healthy in this game for the Chiefs, and I just think at some times this is not the time 
to stop Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs offense if you're the Ravens. I just think it's going to be a tough spot for Baltimore. They're too good. I will take Kansas City to win and cover the three and a half that they are favored by in Vegas. Zay, who you got and why? I got Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think just the Ravens play calling is demoralizing. Just the watch is very um, plain. There's not nothing really like different about it. You, they know what's coming. They already know what's going to happen. And I, I just feel like it's just, Lamar Jackson got such a disservice because because of how they kind of coddled him his entire career and they didn't really help like create an adaptation so he was able to throw the ball in the faster that he needs to throw the ball. The, the, it just the, there's no separation on that field at all from any like receiving cores. Running backs can't get open on on the pass plays. So it, I just got the Chiefs winning. Yeah, it just sucks because I think Lamar Jackson is such a great talent, but he's just being let down by his coaching staff. Zach, I seen your attendance went up. During the statement that Zay said, you wanted to comment on that before I get my prediction? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's an interesting statement to say that he's been coddled. Um, wow, that, that's really bold. Like, one thing I'll say about the Ravens is, like, they do win in the regular season, and I think this offense has been effective. The reason why I'm down on them is just because they're short on personnel. Like, if they were healthy, like, they would have a legit shot to win this game. But I didn't think, like, their play calling was that tragic against the Raiders like I just think Lamar Jackson turned the ball over and that's what cost them uh I don't think play calling on the offensive side of the ball is the number one concern I think their defensive play calling is more of a concern the fact that they were blitzing Derek Carr the whole entire game and they failed to adjust if they do that against Kansas City it's over we know how improved that Chiefs offensive line is and how well Mahomes handles the blitz especially in the pocket I think all of these factors are playing to a big Kansas City victory I do yeah, I thought I thought the play calling was fine. I was actually I won't say impressed, but considering how we criticized the play calling on the offensive end, I was actually impressed in that game. I thought Lamar Jackson, you know, improved as a passer and they were they took more shots, you know, down the field. You know, we don't see a lot of down the field type of plays um compared to what we saw in year one of Lamar Jackson's career. You gotta think about it. The play calling that first year, rookie year, was not that bad to start off the year. I don't know what happened last year and obviously in the playoffs, but um, it's not. that's a misconception is that the play calling is terrible. It was terrible last year. I get it. But they made some explosive plays that year. Lamar won the MVP here. So I think, you know, it showed in that game one against the Raiders that they had a good game plan. And I like what I saw from him as a passer, being able to get out of the pocket and find guys. But um, when you look to this game on Sunday night football, if you're the Ravens, despite the injuries that's going on, you need to win this game. I don't think there's really no excuses. You know, people might say, well, you lost Peters, you lost your running system, your running backs, and, and, and your offensive linemen. But um, I still think there's no excuses. When you're Lamar Jackson, and if you're supposed to be the best quarterback in the NFL, which you can be in that regards with a victory, you win this game at home in prime time against somebody that beat you um, every game of your career, every game you played this guy, I think he's 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes. You win this game. You lost him the game against the Raiders by fumbling the ball. You win them this game. I think that the Chiefs are right now better team with the health part situated. I like the Chiefs to go on the road and uh, win this game. Last but not least, Monday Night Football, they do us a great treat, giving us the Detroit Lions. In prime time, Monday Night Football, they will be heading to Lambeau Field, taking on the Packers. Both of these teams suffered week one losses, 0-1. Packers right now an 11-point favorite in Vegas. Will, who do you got and why? Why you always lying? Yo, uh, listen, man, this is on. Un- I don't I don't really care about this game, to be honest with you. It could be a sneaky game. 
though it could be a sneaky game and what we've seen the last two primetime games i might take that back a little bit that statement this might be a sneaky game the lines being at home actually helps right they're at home right in this game nah, this is at Lambo. I changed my whole outlook. Give frozen tongues. <laughs> Give me the Packers. I thought the Lions was at home where they made, you know, feed off of that home crowd. They go in the frozen tundra. Give me the Packers. I like the Packers in this game to bounce back. Aaron Rodgers looked like a shell of himself. He looked uninspired. Body language, nonverbal communication is 93% of communication. I think he checked out. But against the Lions, he may have some type of life that may come back to him. And he may, you know, be throwing the ball over the yard. Watch out for MVS. You know, obviously, Devontae Adams is the guy we know. But watch out for MVS to have a good game as well. Give me the Packers. Zay? I wonder if the Lions take up a, playbook, a play out of the Saints playbook, and that's eating up the clock to so make sure that Aaron Rodgers is not on the field as much as possible. I like the Packers in this game, though. I like their offensive weapons. I think it just really comes down to uh, uh, technique and how they win the game. And I think if the Lions do play – how a similar fashion of how the Saints played last week, the Packers could be in trouble. But I do like the Green Bay Packers winning this game. So I like the Packers winning this game as well, but I do think the Lions cover the 11. I think it's going to be a close game. I think that the Packers showed us no reason last week for them to go into any regular season game and to be expected to win by that much. And to be honest, like the Lions showed me something by not quitting in that game. They were down 41-17 and their offense were, was able to fight back. Jared Goff, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, like those are some good players there. I think the Packers win, but I think it's going to be a close game. And I think there's a good chance we come into this show on Monday or Tuesday, I should say, with this game being on Monday night and saying like, yeah, the Packers won. But I just don't think the Packers are really taking this regular season seriously. Like they have done so much over the last two regular seasons that their focus is on the playoffs right now. And that's usually uh, a recipe that's pretty risky considering like it's the NFL. You can't just guarantee anything. But I think that's the lesson they should learn going into this game. They have to come out motivated. But um, I do like the Packers to win this game. I do think it's going to be closer than most people expect. I think the Lions show effort here and make it at least close. So, boys. I don't, I don't see how you look past the regular season when you consider – the, the playoffs and you know why would you want to go on the road if that's you know in that sense because it, it let's say they win the division but their record is you know obviously not not better than the two teams ahead of them they will be in a wild card which means they will have to go on the road in a divisional round that i don't see why they will not take it serious i think aaron Rodgers is probably the one not taking it serious because he's checked out so another great week uh, picking games once again last week. Zay wins the week with the record of eleven and five. Will goes ten and six. I will be nine and seven. We gained a game last night. It's gonna be great to see how this week and the rest of the season unfolds. Will to end today's show. We're talking some fantasy football. I'll throw the mic over to you to introduce our next segment. Yeah. So obviously, this is not only a big week for the NFL teams that we just predicted, but it's actually. A big week for fantasy owners right because we have to make the proper adjustments and to adjust our lineup to make sure we win this week in fantasy right and every game matters in real life and every game matters in fantasy because guess what the scores and the records adds up towards the end of the year and you want to be competing for that fantasy championship so what we're going to do on this segment of in the huddle is going to give you some tips who to start who to sit quarterback wide receivers running backs we got it all here we want to help you win your fantasy league because we care about you so very much we care about the people in this world right we want to see y'all be successful even though we are in leagues of our own right and we don't want to be greedy and say well let's keep the secrets no we want to express it to everybody because you know everybody need to know the real deal and ladies and gentlemen you already know who i am but anyway zach 
I'll pass it over to you to start us off. So, yeah, let's go into the quarterback position, and I'm going to give you guys a quarterback that I am starting this week. His name is Joe Exotic, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. I totally understand a lot of people are going to look at that Chicago Bear defense and say, Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks, they have so many good players. I think Joe Burrow is good enough to be able to put up points in this game, throw a couple bombs against a tough Bears defense, but at the same time, I think this Bears defense is overlooked. They should be one of the best five defenses in the league, but they're not. They're just not. They haven't been able to shut down an offense like they've had uh, two, three years ago. Joe Burrow is my stardom at the quarterback position for week one. Zach, I remember when Zach first said Joe Exotic, right? When we was, I think we was talking about a team and he said Joe Exotic. I'm like, yo, I thought I know everything about football. Who the hell is Joe Exotic? And then he <laughs> went deeper and said it was Joe Burrow. I'm like, oh, I thought I, I was missing something here. But um, yeah, I, I like that pick. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert against the Cowboys defense. I think that when you saw Tom Brady tear that defense apart, that's the that's the Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, Laws, you know, now I said about the knock on wood. He got hurt, leg injury, gonna be out for some time here. And um they couldn't stop the Buccaneers with him. And I don't have any reason to believe they will stop Chargers without him. You know, I think the Chargers and Justin Herbert is gonna have a big day with the wide receivers that they have on the outside and in the slot. So and Austin Eckler as well. Give me Justin Herbert to start. I like him. Okay. So uh, my pick for the starting quarterback this week is an underrated pick, but um, he played really well first week against a pretty good defense. I think he's going to do great on week two. And I, I would say Teddy Bridgewater. He's playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars with a significantly less defense than the uh, New York Giants. He um, had uh, 21 points, I believe, or 20 and a half points on fantasy. Uh, he threw for two touchdowns. I believe he only missed eight targets. Eight, uh, yeah, like majority of his um, completions, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, he's a, a quarterback that I look at and that he can put some big numbers against the Jacksonville Jaguars team. It's, you know, has a really bad defense, and you could take advantage of that in most fantasies. Wilson Wilson is another guy that comes to my mind. Going up against that Tennessee Titans defense, I expect Wilson Wilson to throw for 300 yards on Sunday against that Titans secondary. And, I listen, it hurts me to say it. I picked this team to win the division. I think it's in reach still. Because I don't expect the Col- the Colts to win. So they probably going to go 0-2 as well and still be there. But um, it's not ideal, they secondary. And the defense that I thought was had to be better than what we saw last year is not even close. All right, let's get into some sit-ems. Isaiah, I'll throw it over to you to start us off. Who is the one quarterback you are sitting this week and why? Um, You got to sit Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think that play calling over there in Tennessee, there's still a lot, a lot of factors going on. We don't know exactly what's going to happen on how they got to um, really move the chains in Tennessee. And I just think when they're going against Seattle, I just don't know if that offensive coordinator has what it takes to really get get them to the uh, Tannehill to positions to really become a uh, winning quarterback in the fantasy football, that is. So I, I will sit Tannehill. Hello? I will probably sit – I will probably sit Carson Wentz against that Rams defense. You know, he's not going to throw for 200 yards or even 300 yards – on that Rams defense, you know, in that secondary. They will slow the game down. He's still trying to build chemistry. And what a way to still try to build chemistry going up against that Rams secondary. I like the Rams secondary over Carson Wentz. I will sit Carson Wentz. My sit is going to be 
Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Buccaneers defense just eats this guy alive. I think the Falcons offense really showed that showed us what they really are last week. I mean, the fact that they couldn't score against the Eagles at home going on the road to Tampa Bay, I just don't think it's an ideal spot. I think the Buccaneers pass rush takes over. Matt Ryan is going to be the quarterback I am sitting. Let's get in to some running backs. And I'll start it off with a running back that I believe in this week and a running back that I am starting this week. I'm going to go with, ooh, this is tough. I'm going to go with Najee Harris of the Steelers. I think last week we saw that even though he didn't have the best game statistically, he was still super involved and he still was able to get some big time rushes against a good Buffalo Bills defense. And I think in this game, the Raiders defense isn't going to be ready to play. I think Ben knows that he needs a running game to succeed. I think Pittsburgh is going to have some leads in this game. I think they're going to have to run out the clock. And I just think this kid is too good. He's too dynamic. My stardom will be Najee Harris of the Steelers going up against the Raiders. Will, how about you? My number one running back for this week will probably be Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers going up against the Lions. When you consider the fact that the Lions gave up 100 yards to somebody named Elijah Mitchell, who we never heard of before. They have one of the worst defenses in fantasy as far as, you know, slowing down the opposing running backs. I like Aaron Jones, especially to get Aaron Rodgers going. And it's tough to say that because he's Aaron Rodgers, but he didn't look good last week. So I think they're going to stick with the run and know the matchups and know that they could exploit that defensive line of the lines and continue to run that rock. And obviously Rodgers will take it from there. I like Aaron Jones. And one guy that will be my sleeper, um, number two, will be Derrick Henry. Because once again, when you look at history about the bounce back of Derrick Henry, when he doesn't have 100 yards, or a little less than 100 yards or 100, he's going to bounce back in that next game. So I think that he's going to have a good opportunity to rush the rock on Seattle's defensive line. Zach? So my running back one, I'm going with Nick Chubb. I think he's going against a Houston Texans team that's um, not really up to par when it comes to defense. And I think since there's such a run-first team that uh, Nick Chubb's going to get a lot of touches and also have a lot of more opportunities to get on um, big big yards, big gains, and also touchdowns. He had two touchdowns first week. I, I think he's going to replicate the same amount of touchdowns in week two. Um, the second player that um, I actually want to put as a, a running back two or a flex is uh, Chris Carson. I think he's a guy who's going to really benefit uh, against that Tennessee Titans um, defense, uh, defense that doesn't really look too strong this season so far. It's only week one, I understand, but they didn't look too good in week one. Um, I think Chris Carson and the Seattle Seahawks will be able to take advantage of that defense. I got one more. I'm going to go with the Broncos running back group, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams against that Jaguars defense, right? Um, I don't trust them. I think they're going to be able to run that rock. We all know that they are one first team and obviously play defense. So I think that Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are going to have success when you consider the fact that they split the reps in total snap share. Obviously, Javante Williams getting 15 or, or 14 and Melvin Gordon getting 15 snaps. So that's something that you like to see that if you have Javante Williams, that he's getting equal snaps to Melvin Gordon, who's actually a starting running back. So I give the running backs of the Broncos a good chance to start. All right, let's get into some wide receivers. Uh, Zay, I'll throw it back over to you. Who is the receiver you're starting this week and why? I'm going to go with T. Higgins as a receiver. Um, he's, he's a surprise pick for receiver one, but he did have a really good week um, in week one. I think against, his, like I said, his Bears team, the secondary looked very suspect in week one. And I think 
the um, Cincinnati Bengals are going to take advantage of that and try to have Joe Burrow throw close to 50 times this game. So I think the receivers in Bengals, uh, the, the receiver corps in Bengals in Cincinnati is going to be great uh, this week. But I think T. Higgins is going to be one of the more main guys to um, go over the top and get some touches. Well, I like the the whole Cowboys wide receiving cast to start. Right, if you have any of those two guys, right, and this is the third guy that I'm going to mention. You, if you have C.D. Lamb, you're good to go. If you have Amari Cooper, you're good to go with Mike Gallup's injury. But also, Cedric Wilson is a guy that I picked up for myself because I do believe he has that rapport with Dak Prescott. You know, it's, so, it's shown in practice. It was shown in that Seattle game. There is connection. So I don't think there's going to be a drop-off too much as far as production from all three wide receivers that will be playing with the Cowboys against the Chargers. So I like the Cowboys wide receivers. I'm going to stay in that game and go with Lil's guy, Mike Williams, as the starter receiver this week. I think that uh, Trevon Diggs is going to be on Keenan Allen most of the game. I don't trust the Cowboys secondary really besides him. Justin Herbert is going to be ready to make some big-time throws. Uh, Mike Williams showed us what he could do last week. You just got to uh, hope he could stay healthy throughout the season. But I'm going to go with Mike Williams as my guy to start that some people are 50-50 on going up against I agree. Uh, the Cowboys. I deep. think that's wide receiver number one, actually. I... You know, I can't put all three Cowboys wide receivers at number one. So if I had to go with a number one, I agree with Zach because of Trayvon Diggs being on Keenan Allen. That's going to free up Mike Williams, who's quietly having his breakout year, even though it's only been one game in the books. So I like Mike Williams to make some explosive plays in that game. Glad I have him on my team. Another receiver I'm going to start um, in this week, probably receiver two. I'm probably going to go with... Uh, Tyler Lockett. I think he's a guy that's going to really work out on the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know him because, like I said, that Titans team, there's just quite a lot of questions on defense, and I think the Seahawks are going to expose that. And I think a guy like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, one of those two, if you have any of them on your roster, you got to start them immediately because they're playing a poor defense and you want to establish as much points as possible. Um, another guy that I want, to, I want to say that's a flex is uh, Cooper Cup. You know, Cooper Cup is a guy who um, Matthew Stafford threw the ball a lot to. Uh, and I think he's a guy who's going to get some more yardage against the Colts. DJ Moore is another guy that comes to mind for the Carolina Panthers. He gave the Saints trouble last year, and I think that him and Donald has this chemistry going, man. I like I like to see big things from DJ Moore in this game against the Saints secondary. All right, let's move on to, our, uh, to end the segment, a receiver that we are going to sit this week, and the guy – I am going to go with is a guy who a lot of people, including Will, I know, picked up uh, during the game on Monday night. I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins of the Ravens to be the receiver. I don't really trust this week. I just don't know if this Ravens passing game is going to be able to get going. When Sammy Watkins is your number one receiver, like, I don't know, I just think that's a little bit of a problem. And um, even though he's going to be motivated to play against the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs know what he's about. Um, I think that We've seen over the course of his career, Sammy Watkins is just a guy that breaks out in week one, isn't really able to do anything after that. Uh, the receiver I'm sitting, Sunday Night Football, Sammy Watkins. Uh, who else wants to take this one? Let's say you could go ahead. I didn't even know I picked up Sammy Watkins. <laughs> I did? <laughs> I didn't you picked up Sammy Watkins? I did. Uh, I got to check that out. But go ahead, Zay. I'm going to go with a surprising pick. I'm going to say uh, Robert Woods. Just bench him because it didn't look like he got too many targets in that first game. He only had four uh, targets against the uh, uh, Chicago Bears. Maybe just because they focused their game plan on Robert Woods. Not too sure. But um, it seemed like most of the targets were going to Higby and Cup uh, throughout the entire game. 
So I would sit Robert Woods just to be on the safer side. If you got another receiver that gives you some more points, dynamic points, sleepers, go with them. But Robert Woods right now is not looking like the guy to choose against the Tennessee Titans. I'll give you two guys. The first guy will be Michael Pittman because I think Jalen Ramsey is going to be on him. And quite frankly, last year he didn't give last week he didn't give me nothing. He didn't mm-hmm. give me nothing on my team last week. I think he gave me three fantasy points. I mean, what the hell I'm supposed to do with that, Michael Pittman? You know, and I think Carson Wentz needs to find him a little bit more because I think he has the capabilities of being being this breakout player for this team and being that number one guy. But obviously, he doesn't have that chemistry developed yet, and you're going up against the Rams. And Jalen Rams, he's probably going to be on you. Yeah, he's the wide receiver to sit this week. And I also throw out Corey Davis because he's going up against the Patriots. And one thing, like I said before, that Bill Belichick does is take away your best option. Even without Stephon Gilmore, I think they will be able to slow down Corey Davis. Well, boys, looking like it's another show in the huddle, in the books. Always good previewing the week two NFL season. I always look forward to doing these as we get closer and closer to the end of the season and as the season goes on. But, hey, the season just started. The NFL's here. There is nothing better. Fantasy football, picking games. This is In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Week two, baby. Let's get it. Edit.